Well, joining me is the very handsome, bearded... Actually, it looks like you've lost weight, Frank Smith. I'm, I'm a stone down. I don't tell too many people, but it's quite easy. When you've, when you've put on so much weight, it's actually quite easy to lose it. So, uh, yeah, the, this, this break, although in, in times we, no one would ask for, has been uh, in some ways good for my health, probably. Well, I think you've lost about a pound from the bags under both of your eyes. <laughs> well, you actually look like you've had a bit of rest. No, no, it's, 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 been, a, it's been different. I think I was talking to someone the other day and I said, the big change has been going from what is normally a 24-hour job. Now I feel like I've got more of a nine-to-five, nine-to-seven job. So that's been that's been the change. But yeah, it's been an interesting period as we you know as we've spoken about a few times. That, you know, lots to lots of change and you know, different things to get used to. I've got to ask you because there was a terrific interview with was it in Boxing News this week um, that I read or last week. Um, uh, that, it might have been the athletic. In the athletic, it was in the athletic. Yeah. I should have. Yeah. Sorry, it yeah. was in the athletic. It was a, um, and um, and I and I think none of us knew would have known this that obviously you've risen through the ranks at Metroom. It's become your life, and that you know, as a sixteen-year-old, as one does as a sixteen-year-old, you rock up late for work in your first week and nearly get sacked by Eddie. Do you look back on that and go, "Oh my god"? I'm less bothered about the fact I nearly got sacked. I'm more bothered about the bollocking my mum gave me after that. Uh, sorry, I, I think a cat, I, I saw a cat nearly jumping through the window then. Sorry, you were worried about the bollocking your mum was going to give you, yeah. Yeah, my mum was going to give me than the, than the actual final warning. But I, I'll be honest, I cried my eyes out when he, when he dropped the letter in front of me while I was working. I've opened it. I've opened the piece of paper, started reading it. I'm supposed to be working at that point, and I just started crying. But it wasn't like a little cry. It was literally tears falling onto the desk. So, like, so you live and learn, and from that day onwards, I don't think I was ever late again. Because you, presumably, you literally, um, even though you were a runner at the beginning, you, you landed your dream job. Because hadn't you been hassling them since you were about 14 to, to go and work with them? <laughs> I met yeah, I met him when I was about fourteen, and I pest, I basically was selling raffle tickets. Called him tight because he'd only given me twenty quid. Someone told me he had a Bentley, so I got fifty quid out of him. And then uh, yeah, pestered him for a bit. He gave me some work experience. Did a couple of years of that, you know, in the summer. And then in the end, I just said I want a job, and he was like, I don't really think, you know, I don't think we got anything. Blah blah blah. And I just said, well, if it's not you, it's going to be someone else. And I think he caved in the end. We, I wind him up now because he, he, did, he did an interview. He said, Frank always had that twinkle in his eye, even from a young age. I was like, Thank, thanks for that. You know? so, uh, I, I, I think I just um, I, I sort of fell into it and got a little bit lucky. It wasn't, sport wasn't the key thing that I wanted to be in. It, it just looked like an interesting place to be. And you know, I lo I've loved it ever since. Where, where might you have gone then, do you think? I always say I wanted to be a stockbroker, but the only reason I wanted to be a stockbroker is because one of our family friends had a Ferrari, and that was—I you know, didn't know what he did, didn't know what a stockbroker did, but they said he was a stockbroker, so I said I'll be one of those, please. How far um, so are you that, from being the? How far are you from getting the Ferrari now? Then, kind of ten, twelve years on. My, my, to be honest, you obviously know my my partner Emily. She uh, she's very strict, so. <laughs> She does not let me spend a penny on anything. She sort of sets me targets. So I'm at, I've sort of set a target for a Ferrari by 30. 
with her around, you know. So that's achieve. I hope that's achievable. Is that three years away? Four years away? Yeah, three. Just just under three years away. She might change her mind. She's like that. In the end, I'll get to thirty, and she go right. You can go and buy this now, and it will be, and she'll let me get a Ford or something. So. <laughs> Those ten years. When you look back on it now, and I'm, I'm obviously we're all busy at the moment, but everyone's had the chance to reflect a little bit, and everyone's having a bit of nostalgia at the moment. Do you not necessarily pinch yourself? Because obviously I know how hard you've worked uh, and, and you're now seen as Eddie's little brother almost. People think you're his little brother. Um, that, 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 um, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's just a joke we have. But yeah, that, yeah. Um, do you look back and kind of pinch yourself that you, that you arrived there at the right time? Because in the last 10 years, Eddie's really blossomed in the whole time you've been with him. Because it, because it, you know, it's. If you I look think there's at, something in that, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. You know, right. before I was here. Yeah, there you go. He, he wasn't what he was, and I think that's probably what it is. Uh, no, do you know what I? I do. Obviously, at this, I think I look at it and I think it was luck that I sort of met him, and lucky that sort of he gave me the opportunity. Once I got the opportunity, I sort of took it upon myself and have worked. I always say like I feel like I've worked as hard as I possibly could, and I've given it my life. And I wouldn't take anything away, you know, I wouldn't take that back at all. But I've been so lucky as well in what I've, what I've been to see, you know, the events I've been to, the people I've met, like the stories I can tell. And I think sometimes this, this is why this time is probably good to look back because you move, we move at such a pace that things happen that I never thought I'd be doing, but they're happening every couple of weeks or every week. So you don't ever really take it in and think, do you know who you just met there or you know who you were with or you know what you were doing or where you've been and that's that's where now is quite interesting i think i'm going to start writing down as well as things i do you know remember remember the the opportunities i've had as well because i think you know again i know exactly what you mean because um it's a very because you, and, and I'm going to come on to this about you know um boxing starting at matchrooms hq but Every event starts with nothing for all of us. Um, so it's a very creative industry. So when you see something come off, um, like a Frotch Groves at Wembley and then Anthony Joshua's career blossom and, and the, the, the nation get interested around big events and you see young people come up your age who blossom into inspiring individuals. Um, Saturday night on the radio, speaking to Tony Bellew for 40 minutes, going over his career. The last seven, eight fights of his career, you know, or the last five, really made him into a household name. So that yeah. when he's on Celebrity SAS at the moment, everyone's watching, feeling sorry for him, because he's, he's well known now. And it, that I think that, that the reward from from the job is so much bigger than any money you'd ever have made millions you'd have made as a stockbroker because at the end of the day it's the rewards of being in an industry where it's you can actually look at it and go wow look what we did there look what we created look how much pleasure we brought look at how many lives we changed there do you know what i mean yeah yeah i, I always say we're very lucky to be in an industry where from start to finish you see what you have created like you said there you know, there at the beginning there is nothing, and you and you put together a plan, and you work all the way through, and be it 10, 12, 16 weeks later, you'll walk out to a venue of 
10,000, even 1,000 people are sold out, you know, York Hall, 1,500 people, up to 90,000 people. And you look around and think, you know, we were part of this. We made this happen. And now we've got all these people here having the best night they've had in a while. And that, that means a lot. And I don't think there's a lot of jobs out there that give you that satisfaction from start to finish. So I, I really I appreciate that, that I've got that opportunity to see that. Even even looking back now and thinking about it, the, the, those fifteen hundred people who were coming to Prize Fighter at York Hall, yeah. where they were really exciting nights. They were almost a precursor of what was to come. Now everything's on a growth hormone compared to that. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, yeah. you know, and, and like it's not. As I say, it's not difficult because it is difficult, but. Think about all those 20,000s at the O2 Arena all the time. It's extraordinary, really. Yeah. Uh, and I think also that's what gives us that drive to keep on going. You know, we've been lucky enough to do so much, but there is nothing worse than walking out to a venue that's 30% full. So we walk out and we'll go, because it it's us, isn't it? We're the people who have put it on. So we're the ones who have sort of not done it, not done a good enough job. So I think that's what keeps us going. I'll walk out to a venue. If we sold 3,000 out of 6,000 tickets, I'll be like, right, that's not good enough. Yeah. And you, don't, you then take that on to the next one and go, right, now we need to improve that. So, yeah, as you say, we've, it all merges into one. How many times, again, have we seen 20,000 people at the O2? But every time is special. So it's, you know, it's, it's so exciting. And then, of course, three years ago, or two and a half years ago, the DAZN deal. And, yeah. and, and so... So you're busy enough anyway. The, 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 the sport's mushrooming in this country and is very popular again. And then suddenly you've got another continent to conquer. And, and it truly is a boxing empire now. Um, and you're very involved in that as well. I know you're back and forth all the time. Um, you know, America's still to conquer in lots of ways as well, isn't it? Yeah, you know, we've, uh, as you say, we've been there coming up to two years now with the zone deal. Um, you know that that was an exciting project for me as well because I got to go out there and set up basically a new business, bring in a team of people, um, and you know see see the work that's been done over the course. But yeah, we've still got you know we we're in a strong position, but we still got work to do. And I think coming off the back of you know what is obviously an unfortunate situation, but when we come back, we're going to push on, and we we feel like we're in a strong place to keep keep going, keep pushing that momentum that we've built. Um, and America's such a you know. I don't think we ever thought we'd walk in there and after six months or a year ago, we've, we've smashed it because it's such a big market, not just in boxing, but sport as a whole. But we truly believe that we can get it to the point like we've done in the UK. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep, keep pushing for that. You know, we see it. We see it with huge stars. That boxing can transcend the audience, can bring in huge numbers. So, you know, we see we can do that. And over the next few years, it's going to be a real exciting period. I think, on, you know, from my perspective, having covered the sport a long time and having travelled to America a lot, I think the DAZN deal with Matchroom came at a really good time for you guys as well because there was no major dominant promoter and it was all a bit subdued there. But, and it's actually given a bit of lifeblood to the other promoters in terms of competition. Yeah. I think Eddie, your boss Eddie, is really loved and respected in America. We've always got that British... As you know, you know, when we go to America, they really accept us. It's an amazing place to work. You know, you're treated like the Lord of Essex there, I'm sure, whenever you go there. Um, no, because they, they do, they, they naturally want to um, work with us. And so, yeah. 
I think it came I think the timing of it was extraordinary and yeah. and on that point to move on to the big announcements of the last few days obviously we haven't had any events for eight weeks um trying to remember when the last event was before the lockdown for you March we did March 7th in Manchester with uh, Scott Quigg and John O'Carroll oh yeah that's right yes I was there yes um I mean, a great performance by John O'Carroll that night. John O'Carroll did really well, yeah. And Scott Quigg, you know, topping off a, what was, you know, what has been a great career, you know, unfortunate result for him. But John O'Carroll really showed, you know, his ability that night. Yeah. For such a young fighter, he's doing really well. And a good beard on him. Um, Much better than mine and yours. I, 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 when I grow on, it looks like, I look like fat Jesus. And, and it looks like <laughs> someone scribbled on my, my face with a biro. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> but the um, I got enough here anyway. In fact, I reckon you yeah, could you, have good, you could have a good uh, a good. You could look like something from the seventies, definitely with a little swing of it. You know, yeah, yeah. No, I, do you know what? I, I did grow it long, but I looked more less like what you're trying to say. I looked like I looked a bit more like Justin Bieber or a surfer child <laughs> when I had my hair long. So yeah, again. Emily would not, I don't think she'd allow me to do it. She sort of manages my life outside of work, so I don't think she'd allow me to do that, Tara. Has she trimmed your beard and your hair during the lockdown? No, I've, I've trimmed my beard, but she did try and do my sideburns and absolutely messed them up. This was about one week in, because <laughs> I didn't have my hair cut. And after that, I said, do not go near my hair again. So I'm just letting it, you know, I'm letting it grow. <laughs> um... As you say, Scott Quigg, John O'Carroll, Scott Quigg retired that night. Um, brilliant when someone recognises that they are a ghost of what they were. Um, he didn't have his timing, you know, it, we could see it. And I'm so glad that he didn't want to have one more. But you never know with boxers, sometimes they want another one. But um, so you haven't had an event since March the 7th. Last Friday, Eddie does a big piece revealing that... Um, that Matchroom HQ um, in just outside Brentwood could host a series of events in, we're talking early August, yeah? Uh, late July into early August, yeah. Um, four consecutive weekends. Four consecutive weekends. Is that for Sky and DAZN? Yes, obviously Sky, our host broadcaster, and and DAZN, you know, take our shows on a, on a global basis now. So, yes, so for both of both of our partners, you know, and, and then to keep the fighters busy, get them back out as soon as possible. Um, as I said on the show we did the other day, it was, it was a more a throwaway comment at the start. And then, you know, we started looking at the ideas and started looking at plans and thought this could really work. And, you know, as I said, again, we didn't want to just come back with a boring little studio, no real razzmatazz, no life in it. Um, we wanted to do something that kept the momentum that had been built in the sport, kept it going. And we feel like this, you know, from the plans we've seen and, you know, we're working through adding more and more to it. We feel that this really will. Did you, what, what's the, can you pinpoint when you began discussing that? It wasn't brought on by Barry's plan to bring darts at home. Gary. One Good morning. Yeah. Oh, speak to you 
Go on, sorry, mate. Is that Mr. Hearn? Mr. Hearn, yeah. yeah. Can, I, can I just say hello to him, please? Yeah, he wants, Ed, yeah. Gareth wants to say hello to you. Good morning, I'm just, how are you looking? He's, he's gone. Oh, I see. <laughs> You're in the office, yeah? Yeah, yeah, we just popped oh, okay. into the office. Um, uh, oh, yes. Yeah, we'll have to cut that bit, sorry. So, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. Social distancing, of course, you know. So Two meters. Be a bit, of course you can't. Um, um, where was that? Yeah, um, was, was Barry, Barry Hearn um, brought in darts at home? Were you talking yeah. about the, the boxing at Matchroom HQ before darts at home was talked about? Yeah, it was an idea that we, we had in mind, but not, you know, very early stages. There was no real plan that had gone into it at that point. Um, darts at home is something they've been working on for a while as well, and then you know, it's worked really well. It's been it's been great for the broadcasters, and you know it's been great for the players to keep them active as well. So, but yeah, the uh, matchroom fight camp idea just grew over a period of time, and then we've been working on the plans, working with our partners, the council, etc., and the British Boxing Board of Control, and then you know Eddie Eddie wanted to get it out there. So it's it's exciting. It's something something a bit different. Um. So, I've got some specific questions that haven't been covered sure. so far in, 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 in what Eddie's spoken about it. Um, you know, obviously 80, 90 people maximum, five or six fights. Five fights, yeah, total five fights, per show. Five fights. Um, um, what are you going to do about noise? Are you going to fight the crowd noise or not? No, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna play some music, but we're we're lucky we don't have any neighbours around here, so we can we can keep going through the night. But um, yeah, we'll we'll put music on. There's lots of ideas, fireworks, everything like that for the walk-ons. So everything being worked on right now. Um, and do you know that? Do you, have you got an idea of what time that might go out in the evening? Uh, we're working through it with Sky. I, I'd guess around seven p.m. till around eleven. I think. Uh, but you know we're working through those plans right now to work around their schedules as well. And how many of those four events do you think will be pay-per-view, or will they all be pay-per-view? How will you do that? No, we're looking at you know our Saturday fight night style events for for three weeks, and then um, hopefully, as per Eddie's uh, interview previously, we're looking at the Povetkin um, against Dillian White fight, and that will be a pay-per-view show. Will you need to bring Pavetkin in well in advance to quarantine him ahead of it? Yeah, we'll follow whatever the government guidelines are at that point. So if it's 14 days, then, then Pavetkin would come in 14 days prior. So um, we are, most of the fights on the card will all be all British fights, you know, to, to mitigate sort of the risk of having to bring a, a large number of people in. So, but yeah, Pavetkin would come in in line with it government legislations have you been in touch with him already and does he want to do it do you know yeah we're speaking to all the teams you know keeping keeping them up to date obviously we are just waiting now for the the next government update which is around june 1st um where they'll they'll confirm you know it's they've already come out saying about sporting events can continue them but and then the british boxing board of control will approve it and then you know we'll be full steam ahead and officially announced now, obviously, that's a WBC interim, isn't it? Yes. Or mandatory, or whatever it's going to be. I mean, it's yeah, a, interim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, that's a twelve-round fight. 
Um, that'll be the only one, the only 12 round fight on that. Uh-oh. No, no, yeah, we're looking at other 12 round fights as well and championship fights. Originally, the British Boxing Board of Control were looking at uh, no championship fights, but they've, you know, they, they've come round and understand the, the need for them. And they're talking with the governing bodies as well currently um, and the sanctioning bodies to, to, to work on the officials and look at using all British officials for the fights. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because um, there was a time when WBC President Mauricio Suleiman was saying that they would do judging from remote, but you don't want to yeah. do that. You want to have the judges there, yeah? Yeah, we'd like to have the judges there. And it's also the British Boxing Board of Control, so usually the, the local governing body will, yeah. will yeah. override, obviously, the, the sanctioning bodies. Yeah. So, yeah, their, their, their preference would be to have the judges all on site. Um, this is one of, having been to your offices several times over the years one of the things that occurred to me was people are going to be so excited about this i'm sure it's come up in your discussions i mean i brought it up with you on saturday night on, on our chat on talk sport um i'm going to be driving down there if i'm not invited to look over the hedgerows no i'm not really of course i'm not you know it's it's an it's a narrow road um there are going to be well Hopefully there aren't people stupid enough to try and stand on their cars on the road and watch it over the fence or whatever. But uh, you, over yeah, the, fortunately, over you can't. You've, uh, we've got the house in the way from the road, so yeah, you, yeah. you'd have to be very tall if you wanted to do that. Yeah. But what I mean is that, that, that there is a risk that people will try and come, isn't there? You know. Uh, yeah, but I think you know you only have to look at. I think the Premier League have got a lot more of a. Of, concerns around that than we would you look at these stadiums that have got mass space outside obviously for games normally you know this as you say is at the top of a road where there is nowhere to park there is nowhere to stop um the whole the whole site is sort of surrounded by gates and walls you know so we're not i don't think we've got as much of a problem than most other sports have you know especially sports that would usually have 50,000, 60,000 fans week in, week out. I, I, I'm less concerned about that, but it's something we've worked on a, you know, with our security teams. Yeah, yeah, and, and presumably policing as well, you know? Yeah, you know, we will, we'll work with uh, Brentwood Council, obviously, uh, who then will work with the, the local police force as well, um, as we do with all of our shows. But as I say, I don't, I don't see it as a major concern, but not something we will write off completely and we'll make sure there's plans in place for it. Um, do you, um, do you, are there any other kind of logistical things that are very important that you haven't got to yet that you've got to meet over the next, because presumably you need to announce it, um, early in June that it's definite and your cards and so on. Yeah. I mean, from a logistical standpoint and the setup here, it's, it's very similar to what we do at most stadiums around the country. So from that plan inside, we're very confident, you know, we do it week in, week out. The, the, big, the big stumbling blocks and things we need to work on and are working on closely with our, with our medical team and the British Boxing Border Control's medical team is, you know, the testing, making sure everyone's as safe as possible, the isolation, everything we can do there, you know, working with a hotel partner um, to ensure that we can keep it as safe for, for everyone involved. And do you think it is going to be, you are going to be looking at a two-week period in terms of people being in the hotel and tested? I think if, if, it's, a, if it's a foreign fighter, we would. If, if they're based in the UK, 
then it would probably be the, the week prior. And then we'd bring other members of, te of teams in from broadcast officials, etc., later in the week and just ensure that they isolate for a period prior to their test results coming back. It's a it's a 24 hour period from testing to having your results back. So we do that. We have we have a we're working with a partner on that, and we'll make sure it's it's very safe for people. Um, can you break down the 80 or 90 people that are going to be there? Is it one? Is it is so? If you've got 10 fighters, are they allowed two people with them? So is that 30 people to begin with? It's just the fighters? Yeah, and it's, it's 30 people. And obviously, I think we'll look at, you know, you have managers probably as well, of the individual fighters. Um, then you'd have, we will probably have around eight to 10 staff of our own. And the British Boxing Border Control, I, I think, would have around 15, a team of 15. Our broadcast partners, uh, we're still working through, but around 15 to 20 as well. So that's uh, 45, 60, 80. Literally, yeah, literally, yeah, literally, yeah. Wow. So it's very, very... It's very slim, yeah. Well, I mean, we'd usually have around 250 to 300 people at one of our shows in an arena. Mm -hmm. And in a stadium, we'd have around five to 600. Um, how are you going to do... Are you going to do all virtual press conferences and post-fight virtual press conferences on Zoom and all of those kind of things? Yeah, we're looking at that now. We, you know, we obviously stream everything we do already. So that will continue, you know, from press events to weigh-ins, et cetera, to ensure that everyone, everyone has it and can see it. So yeah, that, that's the plan currently for all of that to, to really keep the numbers as low as possible. Will, um, will, will everyone bar the fighters and the referee um, during the fight, wear, be wearing masks as well during the event. Yes, yeah. So, so the board, the British Box Board of Control, put out uh, their their requirements for that, which we'll have to follow. It's it's all it's differing levels of um, PPE based on where you are and uh, and where you're situated within the venue. It, it it won't have been missed on you that during the last three UFC events. They kind of broke protocol, like in in into in the you know in the octagon, the interviewers didn't wear a mask, um, which was in the protocol. They you know when they were selling the events in front of the the cage at the start of the show, um, they the three um, uh, um, broadcasters, the commentators, stayed close together. There were the blurring of the lines a little bit. Um, did you watch that and maybe learn a little bit from that that you're going to have to take away? Yeah, and I think I'm sure the UFC learned a lot from it as well. You know, they're, they're really the first ones out the back in any sport to come back. So I'm sure they, they've taken a lot of learnings from those first two, first few events. Um, for sure, it's something that we're working through now and making, you know, it's going to be on us to make sure that people follow the guidelines we put in place. There's no point in us putting the document together um, and plans together if, if we're not going to, push them through so you know we're, we're gonna have to be very strict with people and I think people will understand because they understand the severity of you know, the situation we're in. Um, Dillian White against Alexander Povetkin the climax to the to the four weeks Terry Harper and Natasha Jonas could well be the kickoff event makes sense Chisora Usyk in the middle somewhere 
no, I mean, that, that's one we're, we're looking at, probably not for this period now, but one we're, you know, we, we're working through for, I think the initial plan is those four weeks, as you mentioned, that they're two of the fights we're working on. And then we need to look as things develop, what we're going to do with fights later down the road as well. So, you know, as, as the situation changes, do arenas open up later this year? Who knows? And that's when we can start plotting out the rest of our fighters. You know, we've got 110 fighters that we promote. So we've got a lot of fighters to keep active. And that's, that's been our next part of the plan is to look at what we do next. Can you reveal any names for those other two cards? I'm the sorry. They're not there. Are they not there they're, yet? They're, they're, they're top secret, Gareth. Would Eddie get you crying again if you told me? Yeah, I'd probably get I'd probably get the second final warning. <laughs> well, are they going to? Is there going to be a big, like a big fight yeah. on the top of each of those the other ones? There? Yeah, yeah. There's going to be. Yeah, you know, we we're going to make sure we you know we we put on uh, big engaging fights for sure. Um, just a couple of other things. So you do that month of shows and. <laughs> I know I'm getting you to jump ahead again, but are you, would you think you'll have a break and then you may do it again? Or what's the plan after that? Yeah, that, that's as I mentioned. Once we, you know, I think once we get into early July, I'd, I'd expect we'd start to understand what's happening, you know, with arenas, as I say. You know, if restaurants start opening, pubs start opening, then I think there'll be a natural plan of when other venues can open and when, you know, maybe you can have 500 people, a thousand people, mm. when you can have 5,000 people and then we can look at locations at the likes of your call. Um, so that's, that's the next steps really. And I think that's more for, you know, once we get fight camp up and announced and then get the, get the shows rolling, I think for early July, we can start or late June, we can start planning what's next. So, so this is going to, at the moment, this is going to be a one-off of four events at, at, Correct, yeah. at Matchroom HQ, and but it's not going to. We be have a twenty-eight-day period that where we're allowed to uh, where we're allowed to put up a structure, which is is a temporary structure. Um, otherwise, beyond that, you know, it becomes permanent. But could you return to it if absolutely needs be, kind of in two months later or something? Uh, it, it then depends a little bit on the weather. If you're looking then September, yeah, October, it's a little bit more risky. Yeah. And, and in terms of having it um, at Matchroom HQ, um, is that legally and the insurance uh, matters, does it help you having it there rather than anywhere else? Uh, insurance, you know, we're covered. We have, we have our coverage. We, you know, we speak to our insurers very often as an events company. So, you know, it doesn't really make too much difference from that standpoint. Um, it's a lot, you know, trying to control 90 people over trying to control 20,000 people in the venue. You know, it's obviously a lot easier to manage from that standpoint. Um, so that, that, makes it, that makes it a little bit easier there. So come on, whose idea was it, first of all, to do this? Who's claiming within the company? Well, it, was, it was Lord Ed, Eddie Hearn's idea. Can you ask Eddie Hearn to tell you to tell me who's on the top of those other two fight cards, please? He's, he's top secret. He won't say. Okay. All right. Lovely. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, 
I don't think I've missed anything there, Frank, from what I needed to ask you. And um, right, it's very exciting. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure it's exciting for you guys as well to do something completely different. Something like different. We talked yeah, about yeah. earlier, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, for sure. We're looking forward to it. Lovely. Thanks very much for joining me. Great to speak to you. Great to see you. And um, looking forward to when we all get to be together get, again. Get back together. Yeah, lovely. Keep cycling, mate. Thanks very much. Cheers, mate. See you later. Stay Thank safe. you. Cheers. Mate. Cheers.